Hey there, Pastor Mark Jordan here from Hope Church. Thank you for stopping by and welcome to our online ministry. While you're here, make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all the content that's released. And while you're online, visit us at our webpage at placeofhope.org. Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him. And we hope that this message today is helpful and inspiring for you as you continue to take your next step on your faith journey. Once again, thanks for visiting us and make sure to check us out at placeofhope.org. Well, good morning, folks. It is, it is good to see you guys. Um, I'm Mark. In a big, big Brent suit. And I've also learned something that you can't grab this table from the top if, unless you want to be really embarrassed. I'm really glad that um, he's been doing this from, from sitting for the last few weeks because um, threw my back out earlier, so if you see me act weird or if I go <laughs> like that somewhere in my talk, it's, it's one of those shot pains that just kind of flips through there. How are you guys doing this morning? It is really, really um, awesome to be here and to have this opportunity to, to share with you guys. Um, I um, personally have, um, I'm really excited about this message, so I'm trying to contain myself just a little bit. I, okay, I'm just, I'm just going to be honest up front there because I myself have found myself connected with this, um, this topic uh, so much lately, but also just in this last week as I've just been trying to listen to God and listen to what um, he wants to say to us this morning. And um, I hope I don't nerd out on you guys a little bit today. I'm, I want us to go a little bit below the surface, if you would say that, or a little bit deeper into something a little theological. But um, but today, we are going to have an opportunity to really experience um, something. So this, this video, um, I went searching for stuff because Mark's had all these awesome videos, and I wanted to be cool like him. And, um, and so I, I've been searching around trying to find um, the, the, the right video. And the, the hardest thing about love is that it's really hard to put any kind of real grasp on, isn't it? So many times when we talk about love, we talk about all this, this stuff that's kind of fluffy, and we just got through Valentine's Day, which there's that one guy in the video is like the greatest um, marketing scheme of all time, you know, and I, I, I love, my dad was in marketing and stuff like that. His favorite saying all the time was, it's all marketing. He used to say it about everything, okay? Um, and it, it jaded me in a lot of ways because I look at something like Valentine's Day and I'm thinking, man, Hallmark makes a killing off of broken hearts every year, you know, or trying to get somebody to feel fluffy and nice and all this kind of stuff. Not that there's anything wrong with it or anything like Valentine's Day, your favorite holiday, you hate me right now, but that's okay. You're supposed to love everything. So, but this reaction that people have, this laughter, this, this kind of tension that they feel all in it, um, some are stumped completely. Um, like that, that last lady at the end who just, you know, and that's one of the things I loved about this video is it's just so real, right? There's just somebody just standing there going, uh, 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 one more time for a fact, you know, but it's just, it's this, this crazy kind of stuff. And then there's that 17 year old boy who's just like, it's a big old kiss. 
a big old sloppy one, you know, just like, you know, and, and I don't know if you noticed it, right before he says it too, he licks his lips, it's a big old kiss. And I was just like, so funny and everything. And there's a seven-year-old girl who is like turning 35 next year who says, it's okay to be single, that's what I plan to do, you know? And it's, everybody has this, like this strange kind of experience with love and understanding what love. Some are big, some are small. Um, but this, this last gentleman um, who was 105 years old, I don't know if you all have known a centurion before in your life or even if they were called centurions. Um, uh, my last church that I was at, um, there was a lady there, uh, Miss Doris, and um, she was about this tall. And um, I'm sure at one point she was much taller. Um, maybe not much, I don't know. But she had started the youth ministry at the church that I was at in 1946. So that's like right after World War II, she got all the young people together at this church and started a youth ministry. And it was 2019, and I'm the youth pastor now at a church in a full-time position for something that this little old lady had done. We had her come and sit down in front of our, our youth and share her story. And it was beautiful. Um, and it was much like this, this man's here, where um, you could see in their eyes the depth of heritage, the depth of, of a century's worth of experience that's so much different than a 17-year-old boy who licks his lips and says, it's a big old kid. You know, there's this guy who says, it means a lot. And it's not a lot. He didn't say a lot. Okay, it's my family. It's my friends. It means a lot. But in his eyes, you can see tears welling him up as he's experiencing memory that has lasted literally more than some people's lifetimes doubled over. And love, love is one of those things that is beyond our measure in so many different ways, and we can't figure out how it is. And um, this statement that you see on the screen there, God's love never fails, um, is one that we say a lot of times. We've sung it this morning a couple of different times in a couple of different ways. And, um, and sometimes I think we, we believe this in faith, we understand this in faith, we, we accept it, but I don't know that we internalize it sometimes, the depth of what that really, truly means for us. And over the last few weeks, we've talked about how God never lets us down. We've talked about how he never leaves or abandons us. We've talked about his justice being a never-ending stream, how his compassion never fails. But there is something about the love of God that never fails, that even goes a little bit deeper than just attributes, okay? It, it goes to essence, and the hard part for us, the hard place that we come from in our lives is that sometimes I think we, we're not sure whether or not God's love can fail because love on our, our standard in our lives fails all the time. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah. We fail all the time. And simply put, humans fail to be loving or love-like in, in what they do. And that's, I want you to, to remember that statement, that, that humans simply fail to be loving, but most especially, we fail to be love-like, okay? We've cheapened love in so many ways. We've weakened it. 
Um, we, we use the word love flippantly, right? We love certain foods. We love a music group. Uh, we love a TV show. We love an influencer. Love it. How many of y'all heard that? You know, just like, you know, just, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, it's put it out there. It's been reduced um, a lot of times to just little heart emojis. Um, and I, I love the heart emoji, okay? I get heart emojis from people all the time. It makes me feel nice, okay? I'm not going to lie about it, all right? But a lot of ways we've taken love and we've, we've said, oh, I love you. And if somebody says a statement, something online or a social media post, and we just we tag a heart on it. And we've just made it, we've made it this big, okay? Or so simple. We reduce it actually just straight to a feeling. And um, I think that's one of the things we struggle with the most is that we, we look at love as a feeling. And it's not just us. It's the way that our world has defined love. So let's, let's actually take a look. This is Oxford Dictionary's um, definition of love, okay? Um, this is the noun version of it, okay? It's an intense feeling, okay, of deep affection, a great interest or pleasure in something, a person or thing that one loves, all right? Um, there's supposed to be a comma next after something, a person or thing that one loves. Sorry. Typo. Okay. It's also this. Next slide. A score of zero in some sports such as squash or tennis. Okay. <laughs> Just, it was there. Maybe that's a way that we've weakened the word love. Okay. All right. I don't know. I don't know why it's called love, but it is. I should have looked that up because now I'm interested. The verb version of love, my wife, did you hear her laugh over there? Hmm. She knows I'm going to look it up afterwards why it's called love because that's, I love to research dumb things. All right. Um, the verb version, it's almost the same exact definition, right? To feel deep affection for someone or something or like or enjoy something very much. Okay. Love pizza. I like and enjoy it. I don't like what it does to me after I eat it. But I love pizza. Okay. Love tennis. Love love. Okay. And so many times we've, we've reduced these things to a feeling of um, just, I like that, or I feel good about that. Um, but love is, is so much deeper than that. And I think you can see some of that, except for that little seven-year-old girl who's way too old for her age in that video. The older those people got, the more significant their definition of love became. Sometimes it became cynical. And I wonder what kind of brokenness might have been there in the midst of that. But also, it became richer and fuller. The 80-year-old man who's saying, I've been married 55 years, and I'm trying to make her the best person that she is, and she's trying to make me the best person that she could be, I mean, I can be. And in the midst of that, as long as I can stay awake, I'm going to try my everything to do that. That is more than just a feeling or affection. That is a series of choices and a series of, of movements and actions that have resulted in a decision to put someone's life in the, in the crosshairs of your desire. This is what scripture defines love for us. This is from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 
This piece of scripture was read at my wedding. How many of y'all have married, got this scripture read at your wedding? Yeah. I still have the Bible that my dad used, and um, it's, he, he, he was a very visual person, so he posted noted around the whole thing so that he didn't miss any words and stuff like that. And it's still all still there. But um, this, is, this is the reality of what scripture tells us love looks like. It's that love is patient and love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Now, we just got done talking about, though, the fact that we fail at love all the time. So now we've got this little conundrum that we, we have to figure out. If, if we fail at love all the time, but love never fails, what do we do with that? Because that, that becomes an issue for each and every one of us. Because when we're hurt and love fails, now we have some sort of record that we've got to figure out not to keep a wrong a record of wrongs against someone because it failed, or we got to figure out how not to do this or how to live in that way so that we believe that love never fails. And this is definitely a better definition than what Oxford gave us. It's got more of the depth of what love is supposed to look like. It's got all those attributes. It's got this, this decisions that are made. Being patient is a decision, okay? And if you pray for patience, get ready for struggle. Because you cannot have, be patient without there being struggle. Okay? If you pray for peace, you might experience strife in order to build peace in your life. This is how economy works, okay? But this is definitely a definition that is more than affection, that is more than feeling. It's not cheap in any kind of way. All of those things that were in that, that definition from Scripture cost us something in some respect, and that is the, the truth and the reality of love is that it costs us something every time that we make the decision. There's a lot of benefit that comes from it, but it does have that cost. And the reality is, is that you can, you can feel something about someone, and this is, the, this is the absolute truth, okay? And we see this more and more in our society today because of social media and the, the, the way we feel like we're connected to people that we're not actually connected to, all right? Um, how many of y'all follow Taylor Swift? I know there's some people in here who follow. Nobody, everybody's afraid to raise their hand and say, oh, I'm not a Swifty, okay? I, thank you. I know there are Swifties in the room, okay? You know how I know? Because I know some people in here who have tickets who are trying to sell tickets to the Swifty concert, okay? I know it. And when Taylor Swift's thing all fell apart a few months ago and everybody was all upset and everything like that, it was like she hurt you herself or Ticketmaster hurt you themselves and you had some sort of relation with Swifty and when you go to that concert and you reach out your hand, Taylor! <laughs> out of 30,000 people in that room, you are the only one she sees. 
We think we're connected to these people, okay? But we are not connected in that way. We can say that we love Taylor Swift, but you don't, okay? Not, not, not with that full depth of decision in your life. You may feel affection for her. You may like her. I don't know if you love her or not. Because love itself is rooted in relationship. It's rooted in true connection. And this is why God's love never fails. And this is why God's love is different. This is why God's love is the standard that we operate by. We have the capacity and the desire to give and experience love because we were made in the image of God. Each and every one of us carry within us that same picture, that same blueprint of relationship and desire for relationship and connection. It's why you were made to worship a father who loves you like he does. Our very nature, our very essence thrives and exists on that relationship. And from the very beginning, God acknowledges, Genesis chapter 2, he acknowledges it is not good for man to be alone. You are meant, created to be in relationship. Okay? But there's a reason for that. Because that image of God, before even time existed in the universe... Love and the relationship of it existed and thrived perfectly because God is not just a loving God and his love just doesn't fail. God himself is love. God and love. For Laura Dickerson out there, put an equal sign between them. A equals B. God equals love. Essence, same. It's algebra, okay? You thought you'd never use it. It's coming back. God is love. His very nature, his very essence is the reality of love. And this is where um, we're, we're going to get a little deeper, a little foundational, a little theological for you guys, because I want you to understand this. And I hope you all understand this, because it is essential for us to know that God's love, how God lives and understands, he is rooted in, in relationship, and that is because he exists in Trinity. He exists as three in one. And is a distinction that our God holds above anything else. Now, if God is love and God existed before time and before any other creation, any other matter, any other thing out there, then God has to exist in Trinity. I'm going to explain this to you so that you understand. And um, hopefully this, this is one of those mysteries of faith that so many times we walk away from in Christianity and just go, whoa, I don't want to even try to figure this out, okay? We try all kinds of different things. We talk about, we talk about ice. How many of y'all have ever talked about water? We talk about the Trinity. You know, sometimes it's ice. Sometimes it's liquid. Sometimes it's gas. It's all these different things. It's the same essence. And that's, that's a, a good analogy, but it's, it actually breaks down into what, a heresy known as modalism, okay? Which, which is, we're getting really far out there, but like, because it, it, it can't be all three of those things at one time, all right? 
And that, that is the reality of who God is. He is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all at the same time. Okay? So his essence is the same, but there are personalities, a personage inside of that essence. And that essence is love, and this is how it works. But to help you understand it, I want to show you a picture real quick. I think that's where I'm at. Is that where I'm at in my slides? should be a picture of two perfectly young-looking, beautiful people that... There's no picture? What? She found... There they are! Yeah. This is uh, Jessica and Andrew Lason. Um, you don't know them. I could have put anybody up here. I could have just said, hey, just stick a picture of married people up there, okay? But this is Jessica and Andrew Lason, okay? And Jessica was in my youth group back in, I looked it up last night, back in 2007, um, 2006, actually 2006 to 2009. She was most active in 2007, probably. Um, but uh, she uh, is, is a spitfire girl, driven, just awesome kid, all right? Um, she's not a kid anymore, but... Um, her husband, Andrew, is a CPA. She's a uh, nurse practitioner, um, and they're both stinking good at their job. Um, but they are the last couple that I've recently, um, just a few months ago, had the opportunity to officiate their wedding. And um, it's one of the great joys that I have as a pastor and one of the unique experiences that I get to, to be a part of, okay? Um, because a wedding is a, not only just a... Um, a beautiful thing about love, a connection, just like, you know, we talked about that scripture that gets read at so many weddings where we talk about love, but a wedding itself is a representation and an analogy for us so that we can understand God better. Because for, for a wedding to take place, there have to be three parties involved. And um, a lot of times we're like, well, no, that's, that's not true. You know, there's, there's just the two. And I'm like, no. There's not. There's more than that. Even, even a wedding that's not a Christian wedding or a godly wedding or things along those lines, there's still three, okay? There's a bride, there's a groom, and then there are witnesses. And if you don't have a witness, then you're not married, right? Okay? So let, let, let's take this into to account for a second. My wife over here, Kelly, she's sitting over here today, um, and uh, I can hear her talking and laughing at me and stuff and things like that, which is very encouraging. But... If I just went out into the woods and yelled, I love Kelly Ritter, or Kelly Smith, because she wasn't Kelly Ritter at that point in time. I love Kelly Smith. She may not even know who I am, okay? But I can yell out love to her, and it doesn't really mean anything, right? Think how many playground weddings would have taken place when <laughs> you were in kindergarten or first grade, some little girl out there, and I, I love Bobby. He's my boy. You know, I'm going to marry him. You know, that's, that ha how many playground weddings would it, it's not real, okay? It's not real. Now, likewise, maybe Kelly Smith does like me a lot. And so I, I, Kelly Smith and I run out into the woods and go, we love each other. Who else heard it? Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Nobody else heard that, right? And so when we come back and say, we're married, does the government accept that? No. Do, 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 do your parents accept that? Maybe. Yeah. No. Most parents are not going to accept. No. So we, we're in a place where, where that's still not real, okay? That's not a marriage. That's 
maybe a commitment, and maybe the love is real in that way, but it's not, it's not witnessed. So when we come together and we stand before two people, when Andrew and Jessica stood before me as an officiant, as a representative of the state and of God, and I listened to their vows to each other, I listened to their declaration to each other, legality and marriage happened, and everybody in that room as well saw and understood that these two people were united and together. And what do we say? That the two became one. It's a great mystery, but it's also a representation of God to us because God the Father in eternity and out in the nation, out in the world, if he is love, then love by itself cannot just say, I love you. Because it takes another person. It takes another place in that place. And so God looks at the son and says, I love you. And the son says that back. And that's good and true. But the Holy Spirit becomes the witness of that love. And in the midst of that, love is united in three in one. And in eternity, before we even existed, before any time part of creation existed, God existed in Trinity, in love, in very essence, three in one. And that essence birthed life into the world. We've wondered sometimes, why is marriage a big deal? It's a big deal because marriage tells us and shows us what God is. And it may be one of the biggest mysteries out there. But that mystery of the Trinity tells us the essence of God. And because of that, because that essence is true, we see a scripture that looks like this from First Timothy, or excuse me, Second Timothy, chapter two, and it says, "This saying is trustworthy." Saying now, if Scripture tells you that something is trustworthy, it's probably a good idea. Okay, pay attention to it. This is a trustworthy saying. For if we have died with Him, we will also live with Him. If we give our lives to Him, if we surrender our life to God we will find life. We die to ourselves, we come alive in Christ. It's the story of baptism. Okay? If we endure this life, if we live for, fully out, we will also reign with him. We will receive the inheritance that comes with part of his family, be part of who he is, being loved by God in that way. If, next slide, there we go. I'm sorry, I'm going to jump in. If we deny him, he will also deny us. It's a scary thought. But God's not going to force his love upon you either. If we deny him, it's okay. It's your choice. Remember, love is a series of choices and actions. And even if we've already believed in the Wesleyan tradition that we live in, we have the idea that we can actually divorce ourselves from God. We can walk away from God and say we no longer want that love in our lives. But this is the crux right here. If we are faithless, all right, show of hands, how many of us have been faithless? I have been faithless. I have had these moments in my life. As a teenager, I found this verse, and 
As a teenager, it's probably the worst time in your life when you feel like you're faithless all the time. If you're trying to follow God and then you turn around and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I just did a stupid teenager thing. There we, here we go, you know, kind of stuff. I'm faithless. Oh, here we go. I'm like, I'm up and down every day trying to figure out life. You know, my arms are a different length every day, but so is my faith, you know. God says this, he remains faithful. Why? For he cannot deny himself. He cannot deny his very nature. He cannot deny the fact that he loves you. I skipped a verse earlier that was in here. I'm kind of glad. Because I think it's better now. I know it's going to be a jump back for you, Pam. You're, you're a sweet lady. Um, it's going to jump back to the one that's the first John 4, chapter 7, chapter 4, verse 7. Way back up in there. This is God's call to each and every one of us. Knowing that God's love never fails. Knowing that God's nature, his very nature is love. How he is put together is love. He calls on this for us from 1 John. Beloved, that's you, that's me, okay? Each and every one of us. Let us love one another. For love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And in this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world that we might love or live through him. Maybe that's a slip, but it's probably the same thing. That we might live through him. In this love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the cost, the provision for our sins. Beloved, once again, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Not the cheap love, not the affection love, not the heart emoji love, they're nice. But this real, costly, true love, because no one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. Folks, earlier on I said that to remember a statement that love fails because we simply are not loving or love-like, okay? God's nature is love. To be God-like is to be love-like. And this scripture is what God is calling us to, is to be like Christ, like God, in the essence of who we are, in the essence of love, in the essence of God, for the world 
to see. No one has ever seen God. Even Moses just kind of saw his back as he walked away. We've seen Jesus, or some people did. But you and I are the only Jesus that anybody in this world is ever going to see. And if we are not love-like, if we are not God-like, how will they know? How will they know that he is the propitiation, that he is the provision for our sins, that he is the one who gives us life? As Peter said, where else do we go? God, you have the, Lord, you have the words of life. Today, there's a few things. I know Mark has ended every one of these messages with uh, some questions. And, and these are the questions I have for us today. Now, I ask myself these questions, okay? All right? These are, these are, like I said at the very beginning, I've been excited about this because this thing has been talking to me for weeks now. All right? Um, but where and when have you cheapened love in your life? It's not a shot, okay? It's a reality. We all do it. We've all cheapened love where we've, we've set somebody off to the side and said, well, I'm not going to give you all of me in that way, or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this wall up here, or I'm just going gonna, gonna to keep myself this far away. But where have we not decided, made action, life moves to, to love those in our lives. How have you experienced the love-filled faithfulness of God? Lord Jesus, help me. When I have been faithless, God has continued over and 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 over again been faithful to me. It scares me sometimes to think how faithful he's been and how faithless I have been. And God knows it makes me grateful and thankful when I spend time thinking about those things. But this last one, how can you be the essence of love, the essence of God in your sphere of influence? Listen, your sphere of influence may be huge, it may be small, but wherever it is, God has put you in that place. And you are standing in a place, no matter how young you are, how old you are, no matter what situation it is, you are positioned where you are for the purpose of God in these moments to be his essence of love. Because when you gave your life to him, the witness of God's love, the Holy Spirit, made residence in your heart. And now you and the Father, through Jesus, are in a relationship. And the power of God, which in Acts 2, the witness, the Holy Spirit says, he will give you a power to be the witness for him. It all comes around circle, right? We are now in this bond with God. We have been given the power to be a witness to the essence of God's love wherever God has placed you.
Some of you may have a platform to sit on. Some of you may have a kitchen table to sit at. But where God has placed you is your sphere of influence. And in that place, you can be God's essence and to love radically the people that are around you. So today, I'm going to ask you guys to pray with me. And this band comes up to, uh, to sing um, or to lead us in one last song. I want to ask you guys just to, to consider, the, excuse me, consider those questions in your heart. If you have business to do with God, if there's something in your heart where you've, you've experienced that faithlessness and you, you want to experience God's faithfulness, I encourage you to make an altar where you are, in your seat, Make an altar here at this front of the stage if you need to, to come forward to, to experience some sort of step in your life, if you need to make a motion out of, your, out of your comfort zone in order to make that real for you. But in these moments, let's ask God to, to empower us through that witness, through the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the one that comes alongside of us and empowers us to love, empowers us to be his witness. Ask him to empower us to be the essence of love where God has placed us in that sphere of influence this morning. Let's pray. Father, I'm so thankful that in all the ways that I have been faithless over the years, you have been faithful to me. The many blessings that you've given to me, the many opportunities that you've given. Lord, I know I've missed um, infinite more than, you've, than I've made. And God, I pray that you would Help me, God, to, to miss less each and every day, to grow one step forward each and every time in the essence of who you are, in the relationship that we experience together, God, in the relationship that you are, God, that you would help us to, to be in this world, to be light in darkness, to flavor the world as salt, to disinfect places that are broken and infected with evil, infected with sickness, God, that your, the salt of your presence would bring healing through the people of God. God, help us to be the Jesus that people need to see, God. Help us to have the courage. Help us to have the discipline. Help us to have the desire to seek you to grow that depth, to grow that life inside of us so that it might spread into the platform or the table that we sit at, God. Lord, we love you. We thank you for being love and the source of that love in our lives. And Lord, we worship you because you are good and your love, it endures forever. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you again for joining us today. We are glad that you stopped by. Again, we want to encourage you to visit us online at placeofhope.org. If you're in the Paulding County area there, you can get service times, directions, and information about all of our awesome activities for children, for students, and for adults. Again, Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him, and we hope to provide you the heart fuel you need to follow Jesus. Thanks again.